Welcome to this week's episode of Latchkey Movies, the podcast where we take a critical look at the movies your kids are watching without your supervision. Today we are going to talk about the 2010 movie How to Train Your Dragon. My name is Sarah. I'm the mom of a four-year-old boy. And I am Briar, and I'm the mom of an 18-year-old girl. God damn it. <sighs> an 18-year-old and, woman? Y- yeah, I think <laughs> I'm going to have to... Do I include her now? I mean, <laughs> well, you're still I'm the mom, mom of an adult child now, <laughs> and an 8-year-old and a 2-year-old. I'm just going to start saying I'm a mom of all them kids and be done with it, okay? <laughs> Shit. All right, so what are we talking about? <laughs> How to Train Your Dragon. It was so good. I, it this is one good. is one of my favorites, honestly, and has been for a really long time. I think my favorite thing about this is just the series as a whole works so well together. Um, but we're only talking about the first movie today. We're only talking about the first one. We're going to try really hard not to talk about the second and the third because I really want to do, at some point in time, mm-hmm. shows for both of those. And we're not going to do too many book comparisons. Have you read these no, books? No, I okay. completely forgot they were even books until I was looking into this for the episode. So I had forgotten too, and then I went, ooh, books mm-hmm. and downloaded them because yeah. that's just what I do when presented with especially YA fiction. Right. So, so is it is it it's young adult it's yeah. not like yeah it is it's 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 young adult reader or anything like that maybe i don't know i like I, what I'd, age range would you say i'd classify the books themselves probably 10 to 14 okay. so you know what i think that is a subcategory now that's not Probably. strictly ya but it's all ya to me man it's a book that i can read in an afternoon mm-hmm. with a glass of wine and a fuzzy blanket on my couch on a snowy day and that's that's what i'm in ya for right right so, exactly and these are so i i skimmed the first one i'll be honest i didn't actually read it and i will eventually get to actually reading it there are i know some technical differences mostly about uh toothless okay in the book he's a common green dragon for the purposes of the movie we cannot have a common green dragon in all of those sequences with dragons. Right. So I think that is honestly the reason they made that change, and I support it from a viewer's perspective. Mm-hmm. So I, I have to be able to see the dragon that I'm watching, especially right. if my screen's not that big, right? I gotta right. be able to see. So I think that was the reason that they made that change in particular. I love everything about the design for Toothless. Um, I especially like that he reminds me of my cats. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And I have to wonder if they used cats for any of the modeling because there's... I have to imagine they did. So much of that is just cat-like behavior. They're just big, giant cats. Yeah. All of them. Mm Mm-hmm. 
we are not the only ones who love this movie. It is a 99% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. That's high. That's very high. <laughs> it received the Academy Award nomination for Best Animated Film in 2010. Um, that was a year that only three movies were nominated. It was uh, Toy Story 3 and The Illusionist. The Illusionist is by Sylvain Chomet, who we talk about in a couple of other episodes. Um, French animation. It's an adult animation studio. It's not um, geared towards children. And when I say adult, I'm not saying it's like, erotic (laughs) (laughs) no we just mean adult some adults actually like animated things right being one of those adults i'm perfectly fine with these sorts of studios right so no surprise that year toy story 3 won i think we've also already complained about this victory I'm trying to remember what episode we complained about it in, but I, I, I can't. So, I thought we had already talked about this, but um, it seems like there was another year that uh, Toy Story and uh, Sylvain Chomet film were nominated against the movie that we were talking about. Well, and I think it was Finding Nemo, which is an episode we haven't released yet. Oh, that could be. So, we have, because we're smart. And aware of the fact that we're moms and life happens, we've tried to bank a couple of episodes so that, you know, when it all goes tumbling down, we have some backup shit to pull out of the vault. So, unfortunately, we've already recorded Finding Nemo. You'll just have to wait. (laughs) Someday you'll get it. You know, maybe we'll put it in, like, I don't know, whatever paid membership program we end up creating next year when we do that but it ain't happening now yeah yeah so i guess if you want more details about that (laughs) wait for the episode wait um a long time could be forever (laughs) The big film by, I'm probably saying this name completely wrong, Sylvain Chomet is the triplets of Chomet. I'm willing to bet it because it's French. So I'm fairly positive it's Chomet. Chomet is the triplets of Belleville. That was like the one most people are aware of. So we already kind of talked about these are a book. They're by Christia Cowell. Uh, I'm going to guess that's Cressida, because it's <laughs> English. And I added extra vowels, as I tend to do, apparently. Well, I mean, <laughs> we already have apologized for butchering names. How many times do we have? Yeah, we're just the gonna only fuck names I'm going to get right are Polish or hockey player names. So, <laughs> I know one. Here's one. Jay Baruchel. I can say that one. There you go. Because he sounds like a hockey player, right? <laughs> he kind of does. And he is Hiccup Horrendous Haddock the Third. This is how you know it was a novel prior to being a film. Because in a movie, we wouldn't care about such right. bullshit details. But no, in a book, Hiccup Horrendous Haddock the Third reads really well. He is the awkward son of Stoic the Vast. So I'm wondering just precisely who the other hiccups were. But 
Maybe they talk about it in the book. They probably do talk about them in the book. I'm sure there's some giant legacy of hiccups because this one is apparently a giant disappointment. Yeah. Without, like, it's not even, the dad is not even trying to hide the fact that he's disappointed in no. his son, right? It's just blatant and out there. Now, Jay is comedy, like Jay and Seth versus the Apocalypse. If you haven't uh, seen that movie. Jay and Seth versus the Apocalypse? Yeah. What? What is that? You mean this is the end? No, it's Jay and Seth versus the Apocalypse. It's, it's it's a short. Oh, okay. I th- think Okay, so if I, I'm looking it up now, it was adapted into This Is the End. Oh, okay. But. He's in Knocked Up. Yeah. Um, Goon. Yeah. I thought the short was better. That, that, that's what the upshot of all of that was. Oh. <laughs> um, okay. And then we have America Ferrera as Astrid. She was great. She did well, I thought. Um, do we do we need a? Where do, do we need know? To know? Do we need Sisterhood to? of the Traveling Pants? Yeah. Superstore. Oh, Ugly Betty. That was probably her. Oh yeah, claim to fame. That. No. No, I'm more of a Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Okay, well, fine. <laughs> And then we have Jerry Butler as Stoic the Vest. I think he was probably fairly well cast here. I don't know if they could have gotten a much better Stoic the Vest. No, I think that was a good choice for sure. We also have Craig Ferguson as Gobber the Belch, who is the blacksmith. I... I thought it was pretty good, honestly. I was kind of surprised that well, it was Craig Ferguson. Because, like, I, the he voice... He does that, like... So, he's Scottish, originally, right. right? Like, he is Scottish. But, like, he does a very good job, like, playing up that Scottish accent mm-hmm. in situations like this. Um. Well, and similarly, David Tennant, also Scottish, also one of the voice actors. He plays Spitelout, which is... Who is Snoutlet's, Snoutlet's father? Mm-hmm. He also um, narrated the audiobooks. Right. Which... So people think that that's why, because I guess in the books themselves, it's not like nobody says, hey, these guys had Scottish accents. But because he narrated the audiobooks, everybody kind of like began to associate Scottish accents with the characters. Well, and we'll get to that because it's a it's a conversation worth having and one that we've talked about at length before. So let's finish running through the cast. I'm going to also say that I love David Tennant. Yeah, I, nobody <laughs> Does this really need to be stated in an explicit way? Yes, it needs to be said explicitly because I explicitly love David Tennant. Okay, well, by the time this episode comes out, there will have been the premiere of his brand new show on Netflix, which I am personally super excited about. It's a, 
it's a police procedural, which I don't normally do, but it all takes place entirely in the confines of the interrogation room. Hmm. So I didn't know anything about that. It's called Criminal. Yeah. I believe that David plays a uh, psychiatrist. So, okay. yeah, I'm 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 kind of excited about it. I, I think it's going to be good. I love that he will do serious stuff like that or broad church or mm-hmm. but then like he's in, he voices so many characters in children's programming. He really does. <laughs> he is uh, Scrooge McDuck uh-huh. in the most recent DuckTales. He and then he pops up in all sorts of random stuff. There's this show Trifu Tom that he is in. Um, I I don't even know what channel it's on. I don't even know how my son found it, but we got stuck watching it at one point, and I was like, hey, wait, that's David Tennant. Then, if you ever watch the Mickey uh, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse Halloween Monster movie, I can't think of what it's called. It's like basically Rocky Horror Picture. Oh, that's awesome. And now I want to see it. So David Tennant voices the um, door knocker. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's great. But he is one of my favorite people to, like, find as a voice actor. He's in so many things. Like, I feel like those three that I just named are just scratching the surface. He's in so many things as a voice actor. I honestly think he may do more voice work than film work, which is And he's a busy guy. uh, Yeah, he is a busy guy. (laughs) But his voice stuff is always just so nuanced and dynamic. It's really... I, I, I like his voice stuff a lot. Okay, so we have a couple more to get through. We have Christopher Mintz Plasse, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. He's McLovin. Okay. If you say so. From Superbad. Yeah. McLovin? Yeah. Yeah. That's him. Yeah. I've... Yeah. What else would you... What else (laughs) do you know him from? Uh, Nothing, really. No. No. Okay. And then Jonah Hill as Snoutlout. And then we have Toughnut. And Roughnut Thorsten. So they're the twins. We've got Kristen Wig as Roughnut. She's she's Roughnut. She I, I can't I, I, I literally know. I can't. She's the girl. Yeah. Well, thank you, thank you um, for that I, fabulous yeah. assessment there. I think we need to start doing like a um, like a tally system for how many times we talk about somebody as a voice actor in a movie we're talking about yeah i feel like kristen wiggs got to be up there she's already shown up so she was in we talked about her last time and well not last time but in despicable me we talked about her um and she's been in a couple of others yeah i feel like we've talked about her other times Mm -hmm. too but we unfortunately then must also address TJ Miller, who. <sighs> All right, let's 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 talk about his film work first, because I guess that's you know relevant. He was um, in Ready Player One most recently. 
his debut was Cloverfield, which was honestly a pretty good flick. Um, he was Weasel in Deadpool, and I don't think at this point in time I really need to name more. What we need to talk about... I, I think I'm going to have to create, like, a page on the website or something for all of the idiots who we have to talk about in terms of the stupid shit they do. TJ has been accused of rape. Um, I don't think anything has come of that. That bigger issue was a fake bomb threat that he made traveling on a train to New York City in March of 2018. Such a weird... What? I don't even understand. Well, so this story is even weirder. He apparently got into an altercation with a passenger on the train that he was on and then called in a fake bomb threat regarding I don't know a different train the details are not great but it's he was on a different train? I don't know. But either way, he was clearly trying to get this particular woman that he got into an altercation with arrested for being a terrorist. And that didn't happen. And so he was released on a $100,000 bond and was supposed to be back in court Um. August of this year, I have continued to look for information, and I can't fucking find anything, which, surprise, surprise, this does sort of kind of happen when famous people do bad shit, but my guess is they probably worked out some kind of plea deal and we'll never hear about it. So... I don't know if anything will ever come of this, but we thought that you should know that T.J. Miller is of questionable character, we'll say. Our talking of T.J. Miller in no way condones or (laughs) dismisses any possible things that he has in the hopper at the moment because who knows with this guy you know and we continue to maintain that you have to at at a certain level you have to separate the work especially when it's a collaborative work with a large cast you kind of have to set aside the bad behavior of one person but we thought you should know so there you go. We would be remiss if we didn't at least uh, bring up the fact that we are aware of there being potential bad behavior. Yeah. It's all bad behavior. All right. So that's the cast. And before we get into the movie, I did want to address, because it's something that we have also addressed a lot in other places, why we're not 
we don't have a problem with this movie of apparent Norse characters being voiced by mostly Scottish actors. Well, isn't there some kind of a Scottish component to, like, the Norse mythology? I don't know. I don't know. Ish. (laughs) Ish. But really what this comes down to, because I, I, you know, you look at the, obviously, the writing is obvious, is, is, runes and when we talk about locations and general customs and whatnot it's very clearly of viking origin well don't they call themselves vikings yes i think that they even do call themselves vikings but it's also about a viking village called burke which doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about dragons, which, I don't know, I'll let you make the technical argument as to whether or not dragons do or do not exist. But mostly, what it comes down to is that this is, the book is fiction, the story is fiction, it all lives firmly in the realm of fiction, and so I care less that were not exclusively voiced by Norwegian actors. Well, I I think it didn't it doesn't even like it doesn't even register with me that there's a potential for this to be a situation with an issue because Vikings were very widespread. Mm-hmm. Um they it was basically all of northern Europe was at Viking Some points in time, yes, that is, that is a correct assessment. So I don't think that they, that you have to assume that they were the traditional, like, Norwegian stereotype of a Viking. For all we know, Burke is in, like, one of the areas that was further south on their, you know, travels, or further towards the British Isles, and this is the way that they evolved right or who knows maybe it's in the future <laughs> i mean it's, we don't actually right, know true. there's no timeline there's no indication anywhere of when or where or how and those are the reasons that i very specifically feel okay about it because yeah we call ourselves vikings this is different i complained about this a lot with kubo right this is more firmly rooted in fiction but then yes something like kubo is so there's there's an ability to suspend belief mm-hmm. with scottish accents and it's fine it works out i think actually it kind of works well it plays into the i don't know buoyancy that's not the right word but the i hate to call men bubbly but in fact they're kind of bubbly characters no this is all kind of fun and they're meant to be lighthearted because we're dealing with some fairly heavy issues when it comes to that father son relationship so okay did you have any other commentary Just that I really like David Tennant. Keep telling me how much you really like David Tennant. I do. I like him a lot. Are you going to tell me again? I'm a big fan. (laughs) (laughs) 
David Tennant, you want to come on the podcast? Give us a call. Let us know. We'll get Seriously, <laughs> anytime Sarah will fangirl all over your face. It'll we be can talk fantastic. about tree food, Tom. You know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so we have mentioned the mythical island of Burke, but that is where our movie begins. Do we have any special um, graphic knowledge or anything that you need to talk about here before we start the movie? Oh, no, there's, like, this intro is it's bog, standard, standard DreamWorks, DreamWorks. Right? there's yeah. nothing to it. It's just a, a CGI intro with the boy in the um, moon fishing. I know DreamWorks has, like, evolved their logo a lot over time, but, like, this, is, this one in particular is not, like... Um, geared toward the subject of the movie so no this one and this one's fairly early before mm-hmm. they started doing a lot of the tweeting right. with the boy on the which moon. is pretty noteworthy for dreamworks because you're right this is pretty early on this is 2010 so mm-hmm. we've got the prince of egypt shrek madagascar kung fu panda monsters versus aliens and then how to train your dragon so I guess DreamWorks really was a little bit more successful prior to this than I actually gave them credit for. You know, they did... So, the the Prince of Egypt was a commercial success, if I recall correctly, and that's about all I'm going to say about it here. <laughs> um, Shrek obviously did very well. Madagascar did very well. Although we haven't reviewed either of those. So nope. clearly we're behind on our DreamWorks canon right. at this point in time. So I think what happened to DreamWorks at one point that kind of um, maybe made people overlook them was they fell into that. And I cannot think of what the term is, but there's that situation where um, a movie will get developed and concurrently somebody will be developing the an incredibly similar version of that so dreamworks came out with ants right around when disney came out with a bug life bug's life um shark tale i think came out relatively near to finding nemo yeah um Mm, I think those are oh, Monsters versus Aliens Didn't Disney have one like that too um, Yeah They had Monsters Inc Which one's Monsters well, versus Aliens Well I mean I guess that But they were I feel like at similar times Right That they're not actually that close in story And the interesting thing here Is that if you look at Just story Man, the DreamWorks movies are so Typically much have better. better stories, yeah. So that's but definitely they come out after, should, right? And that's something we should talk about sometime. We should uh, maybe have like a. Oh, my microphone was in my eyeball. Um, <laughs> we should maybe consider doing some sort of um, an additional episode where we talk about that phenomenon. It has a name, and I don't know what it is. It has a name, and I and and it's it's hit DreamWorks particularly hard, especially when you consider those stories. With like the addition of illumination and stuff, they seem to have like dug themselves out of that. Mm-hmm. But um, well, and they did have Shrek, which right. was very uniquely theirs, mm-hmm. and right. I think allowed them 
to continue with the animation Madagascar okay. 2 although I feel like there was another one that was zoo or animal related yeah, there that is. came out at the same time but Madagascar was just simply More successful. better right cuz it's a great movie so speaking of that one of the things that i was thinking about as i was watching this movie was how there is like no representation of this ip in um like theme parks right Hmm. so like you can go to the universal studios theme parks and they have like minion rides and stuff like that but there's nothing about this one. And There's no Paramount DreamWorks Park anywhere. And that does feel like a lot. You can't go have a conversation they, with penguins so, or Shrek. Or... Yeah. So I'm wondering if that's because not up until the most recent one was it distributed by Universal. Because in the, with the most recent one, The Hidden World... They um, they did do some promotion at the Universal Studios in at least Hollywood. I don't know if they did anything about it with Orlando, um, where you could like meet um, Toothless, and oh. it's like it was a really terrifying kind of um, costume. Um, <laughs> So, so how know, do you do toothless right? right? Do you make well, him full size? Do you not make him full size? Do you make him was, leather? What do you <laughs> make? Yeah. When I was first looking into it, I was expecting it to be, um, I know like Disney has done a lot of like stuff where they'll have like um, really sophisticated animatronic puppets in the parks, like walking around. Um and I, I kind of expected that to be the case here, but no, it's actually somebody in a costume. And it's like one of those creepy costumes where, um, no, I've never seen Lion King on Broadway, but I think they do this in that too, where because the character is on four legs and obviously humans' legs aren't as long as their arms, they do like the stilted arms situation which like just leads to a really weird gate so well, it always... yes but in lion king because i've seen it, it you can also see the you actor, can see everything right so it's fine it's that's creepy works but it... this is a fully encased costume okay um, that's creepy and it always reminds me of does it have t-rex arms because no that's no what... no like lengthy it's got like he's got oh they do like the like long stilted okay. arms okay yeah. i get what you know that's weird covered and... in costume and it always no. leads to such an awkward strange gate that like creeps me out it reminds me of um which i'm sure i'm not the only person who has like lasting terrifying memories of this but there's that um wizard of oz movie with veruza balk like return to oz or whatever oh god with the wheelers. Don't even, i blocked <laughs> this out can you stop now holy but, crap it reminds me of the wheelers from that when people oh have god <laughs> all right enough 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 so anyways, that that's the only um the only instance of how to train your dragon in any of the theme parks that I've been able to find. And I really think that that's like missing out on like an incredibly rich IP as far mm-hmm. as theme parks go. Like there could be a really cool how to train your dragon ride, right? So what we're saying is get on this paramount because 
I guess it's universal now. I'm not really sure. I can go into that in the mini episode. I'll dig into it. Yeah, why don't you dig into that? I there's got to be some kind of strange relationship there. There's, unf- I mean, and we've talked about this before, the relationships of Hollywood production is pretty incestuous, and mm-hmm. it's difficult to understand or dig into. So, hell if I know, figure out who's got DreamWorks these days for right. us, would you? <laughs> all right. So, I think, with all that said, we're ready to start the movie, finally. And we've already talked about how Hiccup is treated by his family. So we start with his little narration about the town of Burke and it's boring and nothing ever happens except for they get attacked by dragons and he's a horrible son and blah, blah, blah. So this movie is basically about that father-son relationship, right? right? Yeah, it's definitely a movie about a father-son relationship. Do we approve of Stoic as a dad? So, here's my issue. Who's surprised that Briar has an issue? <laughs> Are, is it okay if our dad redeems himself in the end when his behavior up until that point is frequently unforgivable. I mean, in this case, I honestly would say that Stoic redeems himself. Mm -hmm. He saves the dragon. He saves his son. And then at the end, he builds like a whole fucking village for them. Mm -hmm. So I, I think in this case... We there's can, enough. There's enough. But overwhelmingly, this is a classic Hollywood trope. And I really am kind of... It bothers me to see the consistent portrayal of dads as borderline abusive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it is a problematic portrayal. I'd agree with you. And I wonder how much of that just has to do with um, the era in which a lot of those films are made. Because I think you're seeing more of a situation like in this movie these days with a father relationship than you're going to see, like, what's a good example of a, a, a truly problematic version of that? Of the father-son relationship. I mean, I don't even know. I don't even know. I just know that mostly we don't have good ones. I'm wondering how much of a, um, how much of that is just because of the fact that for so long men weren't supposed to have feelings and that's not how a father-son relationship should be and, you know, like that kind of situation. You know, it's it's an interesting question. So more like a product of the time, I guess, is what I'm saying, which, you know, has obviously still has issues and I'm not trying to like hand wave that off as like a thing that isn't a problem and doesn't give me pause when I see it in films but 
I'm I'm hoping that we're seeing more of the um, the progression of it into this kind of a character where there is like an actual redeeming side to the relationship being resolved. Let's hope. I mean, because in the end, yes, I do feel good about this relationship as a whole. I feel like Stoic redeems himself. We won't talk about the second movie. So, you know, but I think that it's, yeah, I think this is a much better model but still not perfect no and it's it's the end model like Mm -hmm. i'm fine with stoic in the second movie where Mm -hmm. we have an entire film of him generally being kind and Mm -hmm. relatable but there's that there's that low-level bullying that shows right. up in this one. And and again, I'm not sure that I can provide other examples in... Right. I'm drawing a blank. I know it's such a trope that it's definitely but it out is. there. It's I just can't think trope. of any of it. Um. Fuck, man. Go all the way back to, like, Frasier. Think about yeah. how... Right. But, like, so I think that that father in particular, is very much an example of what that generation thought that they were supposed to be, right? Like, you've got, like, a whole generation of, like, people who were in World War II and Vietnam who were told never to talk about what happened, you know, like... I'm not, again, I'm not hand-waving them off because I have a terrible father. <laughs> um, and I'm well, not going and, to like... And ultimately, my argument is this. The continued portrayal of right. these kinds of dysfunctional relationships don't do what we right. want them to do. Yeah. If what we want is to model what a good relationship looks like, then we should actually just model the good relationship sure. and not demonstrate at length... By the way, this is what the bad relationship looks like. Sure. Because I feel like that's what we very specifically do with the father-son relationship mm-hmm. is. Here, here's all these ways your dad picked on you and mm-hmm. beat the shit out of you and just, oh, but this is what we're actually after here. Right. That just So we want to see more We want to see more Mufasa and Simba. Yeah, I really do. I do too. I really do. All right, so we have the capture of Toothless with (laughs) Hiccup's, I don't know, creation. It's such a god-like teenage boy thing here (laughs) let me build something i don't know if it'll work but let me go out into the dark where i am potentially a threat in or not a threat potentially under threat right with no care for the potential consequences and i'm gonna shoot my thing (laughs) like and it makes me go oh god I'm going to have two of these. <laughs> it's going to be such a good time. 
So he shoots the thingy and he brings down Toothless, but of course nobody believes him because there's no dragon there. So he goes out to the dragon and finds it himself. And there's that whole scene where he's supposed to kill Toothless and doesn't Mm -hmm. because he's, I don't know. He later says something about he didn't kill him because he looked just as scared as he felt or something Mm -hmm. like that, right? And I thought that was, he told Astrid that. And I Mm -hmm. thought that was a really good description of of what that was like. Right. So, um, and then he, so I guess he lets Toothless go or cuts him loose thinking that he'll be leaving not knowing that his tail has been damaged so he goes back to the village and stoic and the rest of the i guess adult males sail off into the distance to go find the dragons right i've got that relatively right sequence wise i believe so yes okay so Hiccup then is now in dragon training, dragon fighting class. I don't know. He's <laughs> he's in training. Now he's supposed to learn how to kill the dragons. Right. While he is in fact sneaking off to the woods every day to hang out with his pet dragon. Yeah. I really, I I love this. I love all the montages of Hiccup and Toothless building their relationship. It's their, um, it's an American montage. (laughs) (laughs) An American montage is, uh, um, it's, it's used in film to show a progression of a relationship, typically like two people falling in love. And, it's called an American montage because it's very specific to Hollywood yeah. American filmmaking because nobody else in the world is quite this fucking lazy about their <laughs> storytelling. And they will, in fact, I mean, they'll just tell the damn yeah. story instead. <laughs> they'll take the three minutes it takes. Right. Whatever. It's cute Whatever. watching it with Hiccup and Toothless, But though. this one, I agree. This one is cute. <laughs> it's so. not like they can have a conversation anyway. It's Toothless doesn't talk. So, montage it is. Uh, have you seen White Fang or <laughs> Call of the Wild? Or, I mean, there's plenty of dog movies where the dog doesn't talk. But they also do montages like this. But this is true. Because it's American <laughs> filmmaking. Yeah. And it's lazy. But <laughs> we love it anyway. We do. We love it anyway. We're not asking for highbrow uh, animation here. No. This it's isn't really... Sylvain Chouet here. All right? <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Whatever. Fine. So we have the whole montage sequence of them getting to know each other and the painting and the drawing and the tail fixing and the fishing. The fishing was good. Uh I did like the fishing. And then we 
but then we've got all of that intercut with the classroom right. sequences, which I really liked, where he's now doing all of these things with these supposedly hostile dragons. Yeah. Which are things like an eel, and they're yeah. afraid of eels. I mm-hmm. love that. So, yeah. So, at the end of this, then, he rigs Toothless the tail harness. They learn how to fly with it together. And then they go off for a while. Big flight scene. Like I, I feel like there's a fair amount of this movie devoted to just watching Toothless fly around. Well, but it's, it's- fine. Because it's enjoy beautiful. It, it is. It's beautiful. It's... Like, the landscapes in this movie are gorgeous. And the animation is really mm-hmm. well done. So I'm not being critical. It's just as I'm reading through, going through the plot line, I'm like, oh, this is actually kind of thin as a plot. Right. No, there's not a whole lot of plot here. <laughs> there's really um, not a whole lot of plot here because I am now up to the... Um, class prior to the final exam where Astrid gets all pissed and sneaks off and finds Hiccup and Toothless and then they go for a ride and find the big mountain dragon what's the the red death apparently is the name of the big giant dragon speaking about the quality of the animation in this movie it's easy to forget that this movie is almost 10 years old when you watch it. Like, mm-hmm. it does not jump out at me as, like, a dated animation film by any means. Whereas, when did The Incredibles So The Incredibles out? was 2004. Um, this was the year after Up for... Okay, thank you. Put it, thank you for putting it into Pixar for me. Although those two are dramatically different stylistically right. anyways. But we've complained at length about The Incredibles. The Incredibles yeah. initial animation, especially in comparison to how it looks now. And yeah, I think that there was some kind of threshold there in must have been the like a mid audience yeah where it got good that's mm-hmm. the only thing i can say here because we have this complaint about animation up till i want to say like 2006 2007 so 2006 was happy feet and cars 2007 was ratatouille so we haven't done Cars or Ratatouille yet. Um, Ratatouille is okay, although my husband has some major complaints about Remy mm-hmm. as and, and the creepy factor. Okay. So, I mean, and we both complained at length about the creepy-ass penguins of Happy Feet. I'm also going to say that some of the animation in Cars was, what's a good way to put it, off-putting? Uncanny Valley? Maybe. I'm, it, it's not, the talking cars are weird in some places. Mm-hmm. Like, they have, it's different from the 
Lion, the 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 newest Lion <laughs> King animation, where we have the mouths moving and no facial expressions, because at least Lightning McQueen has some goddamn facial expressions. <laughs> but there's still something weird about the talking car beyond the weirdness of a talking car. <laughs> like it's not just, man, stop. I know what I'm... T I, really. This is... I'm not crazy. <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right, fine. Talking cars are always weird, and let's yeah. move on. Moving on. Okay. So we have the big red dragon in the mountain, and they go back, and Astrid wants to tell everyone in the village, and Hiccup says no with, I think... A fair amount of precognition about what the villagers yeah. will actually do to find out such information. Because it's what they actually go right. and do once they find out. And he has his test, and then he... You forgot that I... Stoic I comes home and is oh, super excited about... Hiccup yeah. being successful at dragon training. and So that's disappointing, no? Yeah. Like, as the son, that's a whole moment of... Sure. Great, Dad. Yeah. Thanks. The way to, way to care about the wrong fucking thing right. here. I like the line that uh, when he gives him the helm about it being half of his mother's breastplate. <laughs> Did you catch that? When yeah. watching? So we've seen what his mom looks like in later films. That woman was not wearing hats on her head, on her chest. Well, <laughs> maybe we're talking about the whole breastplate. And no, we... they each have a piece. Well, yeah, yeah, but a oh. brush plate is an actual... It's so you're whole... not saying these were the actual... Their hats are not the actual cups. No, I'm not saying they're the boob cups. No, <laughs> that is correct. I'm saying the breastplate, the actual... We're going to cut them a little bit of slack. Not much. <laughs> not much. I mean, not it's much. totally implied that this was a brazier situation. I where... did not take it that way oh, i totally took it that way well you know i'm always fascinated when people like hit these weird feminist notes that <laughs> i just totally miss out on i'm like is my feminism bad here no i'm not but, i'm not talking about it in terms of feminism i'm talking about it in terms of in one scene you're well, telling no, me that i, I know i know because because what i'm saying is is that if i had perceived it as the bra cups it would have pissed me off right like i would have sat that they there were making that with, joke. oh fuck yes with my hands on my hips i'd have sat up and been like well humph. and again I watched this twice over the weekend. It was Labor Day weekend. It was lovely. I sat there in the shade and drank cold beverages and watched this movie a couple of times while trying not to get poked on the couch by the two-year-old. <laughs> it was fantastic, and I never got that. So, like... I, mean, I, I don't know. Maybe if 
maybe the first time I saw this, I didn't think about it really. But the second time I saw it, because like I knew his mom like appears in later films, that like I was like, there's no way that woman's breastplate made these helms. <laughs> but this Just woman, so great. yeah, this no. woman is firmly in the uh, Marie like Antoinette, rep <laughs> Marie Antoinette tops. champagne coupe. <laughs> world of breasts and not in the viking helm world of breasts you hear heard it here folks i just just saying okay so what the fuck were we even talking we were talking about oh stoic. Right. all right stoic <laughs> stoic's proud which, again, is worth noting here. It's the apparent good behavior of this questionable father-son relationship. Because it's not good at all. It's not, I don't know, understanding at all. Right. He basically, um, he doesn't even raise Hiccup. He sends him to live with, uh... Uh, Craig Ferguson, Gobber, right? <laughs> yeah, Gobber. Like I, the Im- implication I have is that Stoic really has nothing to do with Hiccup. A lot, actually, because not is he's not only just raising him into the blacksmith trade; he seems to be taking care of him while Stoic is off on one of mm-hmm. his many campaigns yeah. to kill the dragons. Because that's the sense I get. He's almost like Ahab there, mm-hmm. right? With his campaign well, to kill the, the dra- dragons. They killed his wife, right? Yes. That is what he thinks in this film. Spoilers. Right. And maybe if that could well be better fleshed out in the books. And my my suspicion is the relationship is overall better fleshed mm-hmm. out. So maybe I'll just leave this one be as their attempt to tell the story as it was written. But I don't know why I would give Hollywood that much credit, to be perfectly honest. Okay. So, Hiccup has his test, and we'll say he fails. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. He fails. He fails. Toothless comes to try and save him. Stoic takes Toothless hostage. I, I guess we'll call him hostage. So that he can take them to... The, the nest. The nest. There's this whole big scene about how disappointing he is as a son. Mm-hmm. And then... Which... Is nobody seeing what tooth or what Hiccup has actually accomplished here? Right. I don't think they... On, on the face of it, forget the great betrayal of it. Just just look at what he's done here. Right. He's taken a dragon hostage and domesticated it. Right. Surely that's worth something. But whatever. 
We're, it's 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 YA fiction. We're we're, <laughs> we're we're ascribing far too many I don't know common sense thinky thingies to <laughs> characters that exist in the static realm of YA fiction. So Hiccup and Astrid have their whole powwow conversation there and then they go and they liberate the dragons and then they take their classmates on the flying trip to Dragon Mountain where all of the Vikings are now engaged in combat with the big one because Mm -hmm. the little ones flew the fuck away. Right. I love that. Yay, we won! It cracks me up every time. Like, no. Nope. No, no, you did not win. And then there's the big fight scene, which it's all whatever. So then we go back. (laughs) I do, and I like when um, the one Viking kid is knocking out the eyes on the Red Death, and they all like are working together. It's a good I, I also I like, like <laughs> is it fish legs analysis of the yes. dragon? Yeah. All right, break it down for us. That's so yep. good. Yeah, like a little eyes, little ears, whatever. Yep. Yeah, but then he's like, but he, and then he's actually fighting him, and he's like, there is no blind spot because he's got like no five bl- eyes. <laughs> there is no blind spot. And then, yeah, so we have the big fight scene and we go back to the village and everyone is happy and we have the kiss now, which is, I guess, so this is where DreamWorks is a little bit more adult, I would say, than the other production companies when it comes to their animation, Mm -hmm. because they do more relationship type thing right and in this one i mean so we have the relationship developing here in the first film and Uh then they get a little bit closer in the second film and then they end up married at the end of the third film right yeah i love the way the third film ends i really i like (laughs) the way the third film ends too But we're not going to do it here. We swore we weren't going to do the third film here. But it's so good. It's so good. It's just, it's such a, it's a nicely, like, wrapped up story. If you haven't watched all three of the films, you definitely should. This is absolutely a franchise that does a good job of, like, bringing a story together. Yeah, I think it's really well rounded and probably it's because Because there's books there's books right (laughs) no but i think this one is really probably because of the books but they just they've built all of the little nooks and crannies in Mm -hmm. that make this just a complete story from beginning to end there's actual I don't know. Character progression? Yeah. Character progression, twists, turns, like, it's it's the whole package, I feel. Yeah. I'm I'm very happy with this movie as a franchise. Yes. So, when Toothless and Hiccup are fighting the Red Death, I love when 
toothless dives for Hiccup and like that whole scene of like stoic thinking that Hiccup is dead and like but then toothless like unfurls himself and mm-hmm. there's Hiccup right there. Well, and Stoic had, at that point in time, already gone back and saved both Hiccup and then Toothless right, after from they underwater. had fallen in the water the first time. And they did have, like, a um, Mia Culpa scene mm-hmm. before they even go off for that final fight. So I really think it says something that Stoic has that revelation before Hiccup and toothless go into that final fight yeah because again it's the it's the good dad like redemption in the bad dad good dad Mm -hmm. character development but again i'm gonna cut this some slack because i do feel like there was probably a lot of longer character development in the initial books Mm -hmm. that we're just not privy to because while I think the adaptation is probably pretty fantastic overall, it's still an adaptation. And right. so... Yeah, I mean, you're, you're always going to leave things. There's things that cannot be included in a movie mm-hmm. out of a book, even if it is just a young adult novel. Or there are things that we include that we kind of, at the end of the day, go, what the hell is this actually in here for mm-hmm. anyway? It doesn't have... But it was hey. in the book. If there's anybody out there that has read that series and would like to give us some more insight into the actual, like, differences in the story or how it actually does translate into the films, we would love to hear We'd love to have you on the mini-sode. Give us a call and we'll work something out. Yeah, if you're a true friend, not Briar's skimmed it, like... I can't help it. I go through so many books. Just I, I have to skim it. I'll come back to these, though. I'm quite <laughs> certain of it. They've been filed in the, hey, you need to read this stack in the Kindle. Okay. I know what my Kindle looks like. And if it looks anything like yours, then you're not getting to it anytime soon. Oh, I wouldn't <laughs> say anytime soon, no. But sometime this decade, maybe, maybe. Damn, it's the decade's almost over, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, what, a couple months till the end. <laughs> uh, okay, maybe in the next decade. <laughs> Alright, so we end this one then with Hiccup retelling the tale of Burke, which I kind of like that whole continuity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he does it again at the beginning and end of every movie. Okay. Doesn't he? Or at I least don't at know. The, at least he does it again at the end of the third one. That would make sense as a bookend. So Where he's telling the tale of how there used to be dragons. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Spoilers. Spoilers. Okay. So, I also really like how quickly the village accepts dragons and obviously that's that's stoic i mean he is their chieftain mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. like they take their cue from him yeah. at the end of the day it really does say a lot about him and his ability to go yeah we have well, dragons, dragons now yeah, they're gonna help us out they're gonna live here now by the time we get to the third movie and the village of the dragons i mean it's 
considerably different. There's all of those scaly textures of right. the buildings. It's mm-hmm. it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. So that's about stoic and his willingness to accept them initially. Right. And he does that by what? Letting Toothless move in while Hiccup is recovering? Yeah. Alrighty. Well, that is the end of the movie. Do you have any other major notes? Um, Just that here's Hiccup, and he is now a main character with a major disability. Right? I mean, missing a Ooh. limb is a pretty big disability, right? He's missing a damn leg. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a disability. And it is noted in a number of places mm-hmm. in the following movies. Right. So... I hadn't made that note yet, but that's really great, actually. It makes it... It's representation. Mm-hmm. You know. Which we bitch about a lot. A lack of representation. Mm-hmm. So here we're saying, look at this fine example of representation. Especially because Hiccup is an amazing character mm-hmm. who, over the course of these three films, really continues to grow. Right. So it's not just here at the end of this where, you know, he's done all of these amazing things and now he's also lost a leg. He continues to grow as a character. Right. And progresses. So, which he now has to do without a leg. So that's nice. That's a way for people to connect. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, age did... I guess, like, the big dragon's a little scary, but uh, we had no issues with this movie at our house. That's always my question. Like, my kids are... So, they get scared by weird things and Mm -hmm. or predictable things Mm -hmm. at certain ages. But I didn't ever have any problems with this one at any age. We didn't have any problems. Dragons are cool. Mm-hmm. Right. Dragons are cool, and even, like, Red Death is scary, but, like... But we beat him up, and so and that's kind of big and blubbery, cool. right? Yeah. Like, so kind of big and blubbery, so... I don't know. Not scary here. No, we didn't have any problems. So, I guess this one is all In ages. Any age, yeah. Um... So let's talk about where... So this movie actually makes me tear up quite a lot in a Does number it? of places. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm just I'm too a, cold. <laughs> well, no, we've just established. So, no, the real question is, when you watch this movie with your husband, who I know is the big sap among oh, the you know, two yeah. of you. yeah, and usually it's like father-son stuff that gets him, and I, I have not watched this movie with uh, him. Recently, I, bet so he's, I, I bet he's a big blubbering mess I think he one. had problems, I think he, like, got emotional with the last one, for sure, but that's only because I'm, I'm aware of that, because I, I was with him when we watched it, but, like, this one, I don't know. So, I get a little teary when Stoic saves Hiccup and Toothless from Mm -hmm. the water the first time. Mm -hmm. And then there's the whole fight scene and it's fine. But I 
definitely get all waterworky the second time when he saves Toothless mm-hmm. and he thinks that Hiccup is dead. Yeah. And there's that whole conversation between oh, him and Toothless there. Where he's the... actually talking to Hiccup. Like where he he's... is like talking to Hiccup and like. Yeah. But he's really, but he's telling the dragon. Yeah, that one, that one does me in. And then we cut from there straight to the new story of Burke. Yeah. Which always just <laughs> makes me all wooey because it's, there's something about the hopefulness right. of it, I think, mm-hmm. that really does me in. The, the ability to see the future. Right. Talking about how there it it snows nine months of the year and the other three right. it, it hails, but like in such a like, but we've got dragons. But we've got dragons. <laughs> Who cares about the snow and the hail? We, we need some snow. We need some dragons, dragons in upstate New York, man. <laughs> I take dragons. I want a dragon. Let me have a dragon. So speaking of having dragons. The question, can you wear this Halloween costume, seems to be fairly natural here. Yeah? Oh, yeah. I, yeah? <laughs> I thought, yes, absolutely. I, I was Be a dragon. Well, I thought maybe your kids were making noise in the back. <laughs> absolutely, you can wear well, this Well, that costume. is a reasonable assumption around these parts, frankly. Yes, yes. Yes, but wear the Halloween, uh, wear them all. Yeah. I don't fucking care. I don't think anyone does. Because, again, I think this movie transcends any kind of nationality right. because it's... of the fictional nature of it. Yeah. I agree. Okay. Um, I looked. I did not find any international changes, although DreamWorks is not one that normally does those kinds of things. So let's uh, final score this out of five, Sarah. I'm gonna give it a four. Ooh, okay. But as a series, I'm giving it a five. Okay. As a series, it's a five for me. But this one, I think, is a solid four and a half. Okay. I, I really, I like this one. I like. You want to know why it's a four for me? Yes, tell me why it's for. Because it's what, not Where'd a that last star go? Because <laughs> it's not a musical. God, I should have been able to <laughs> guess that. There were. There's no soundtrack for Sarah to sing badly in the car. Yep. And that is why it's only a four. <laughs> Sorry. I can't. I Yeah, I should have guessed. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. All right, guys. I think that's it. You can find us. Okay. So we are recommitting with Bunny Rabbit Ears to Instagram and Facebook. We have said and will continue to say that Twitter is a cesspool and nobody needs it. But regardless, (laughs) you can find us on all three platforms. (laughs) At Latchkey Movies. Uh, the phone number 402-885-4875. Uh, one of these days, one of you is going to get your Somebody kids gonna call. to call with a fucking movie review so that we can play it. And we can all be like, oh, Aww. it's so cute. That's really the goal here. Yes, that's 
That's the goal. But until then, you can also call that number and complain because I'm more than happy to hear those too. Yeah. Tell us your thoughts on breastplates. <laughs> because we need to know them. All right. Finally is our last ask because I'm sick of asking you people for iTunes reviews that you won't fucking leave. So fine. But please, if you could share it with a friend, pass it along, say, hey, I have a podcast for you. We'd appreciate that. Please. Please. <laughs> please and thank you. Yep. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.